Hey, look at somebody and say, it's good to see you. Oh, don't lie to him like you did last week. Mean it this time, all right? Hey, we're so glad that you're here. My name's Sam. I have the great privilege of being the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church. And what that means is every single week, I try to tell the greatest story ever told. Now, not because I'm some great communicator or it's even my story, but I believe this story is a story about Jesus. And Jesus is the greatest person to ever walk the face of the planet. I actually believe he's more than just a person. I believe he's God in the flesh. And so if you've ever asked the question, what is God like? You don't have to look any further than the person of Jesus. And we believe the Bible is the story about Jesus. We say this around here. We say it's all about Jesus. (laughs) We wrote it on the wall if you need some help. And what that means is you're going to need a Bible to follow along. And so if you forgot your Bible, we got you covered. One of our ushers will get one to you. You can just slip up your hand. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. Take that, read it every single day, because every time you do, you get to meet with Jesus. Amen? Amen. You can do a little better than that. Every time you read the Bible, you get to meet with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's better. Hey, we're starting a brand new series, and I'm excited about all that entails. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about why we're starting this series and the book in which we are starting. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the book of Titus a small book in the New Testament. So if you start in the right and turn left, you'll find it much faster. You're going to find uh, it tucked in the pages between Timothy and Philemon. And the big book that you'll find it between, because Philemon is only a page, is Hebrews. So if you find Hebrews and work backwards, you'll find the book of Titus. Titus chapter 1 Verse 1. I'm excited about this series. It's probably going to carry us through the summer. And uh, there's a lot of things that I think this book will help us talk about. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll kind of, I don't want to get ahead of myself with that, but turn to Titus. And uh, when you're there, you can say amen. If you're watching on the online campus, we're so glad that you joined us. I know we worked through some technical difficulties this morning, but I saw all the regulars on there hanging in. Maybe you don't know, there's anywhere from 80 to 120 people who watch on the online campus from locally, regionally, and all over the country. I think today one of our friends is in Maui. I wish I was there with you. And uh, we got people in... uh, um, Grover Beach and uh, Royal Grande and, and we got people in Spirit Lake, Idaho and Belinda, I want you to know that we are praying for Jimmy uh, and uh, we're just going to stop just for a moment as we read this text. After we read this text, I want to pray for Belinda and her husband who's fighting an infection in the hospital right now and, and so uh, we love you, you're a part of this church and we want to know that, want you to know that we are praying for you. So hey, let's read our text And then we're going to pray. Titus 1 verse 1 says this, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Servant could be a slave, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith. Here's why I'm doing this. Here's what I'm doing. I'm a servant of God, what he wants. I'm an apostle. I'm carrying out the work of Jesus Christ. Why? For the sake of the faith of God's elect, God's chosen people, the one that he foreknew, the one that he chose, the one that he's bringing to faith, those that he is saving, the Holy Spirit is wooing and their knowledge of the truth for the sake of God's elect and for their knowledge of 
the truth which accords with godliness. One translation says, which leads to godliness. Truth that leads to godliness. In hope of eternal life. Here's my trajectory off in the distance. In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies. Look at somebody say, he never lies. Look at somebody else say, I can always trust him. He never lies. That's good news. Amen. Amen. I can trust him. Promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested his word through the preaching, through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God, our Savior, to Titus, my true child in common faith. I almost got one of my sons named Titus. I just want to point that out. Lost that fight. Uh... (laughs) To Titus, my true child in common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Savior. Then I want to read just half of the next verse. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint every elders, elders in every town as I directed you. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you may put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for our time together. I pause for a moment. I, I pray for uh, Jimmy, who's in the hospital, Belinda's husband. Um, Holy Spirit, you transcend time and space, and you're there now. We pray for a miracle that his body, that you've designed his body to fight off sickness, fight off disease. And Holy Spirit, you heal and you do miraculous things. We've seen it. We continue to believe. This is a house of faith where two or more gather together. If we ask anything, your word says that we would have it. And we believe according to your will. And your will is that when you do miraculous signs and wonders, it would point to the one who is wonderful and miraculous. It would point to the person of Jesus. We thank you that you use this this moment for your glory and our good. Thank you for our time together when we start this new series. Jesus, I think you would help us to live in such a way that we live for you and it changes the culture around us. We thank you that we impact the world around us as we begin to serve and care for our families, for our friends, for our neighbors, all for your glory and the good of this valley. And everyone said, hey, man. So we just finished a year-long series. If you're new here, we go through books of the Bible, and we just finished a year-long series in the book of John. And so why Titus? Because it's short, okay? (laughs) All right. It's a shorter book. There's one. There's some practical reasons I want to give you for us starting the book of Titus. We just went through an entire year of the gospel of John. It's been an incredible book. It's been an incredible season. And what we've seen God do in changing the lives of those around us. Our church experienced a lot of people who've come to faith for the very first time. We don't just see those who who, who are maybe rekindling their faith. We have that. 
We have those who, who, who maybe feel as though how we preach and how we teach and, and the community that Crossroads brings, but some people come to our church for that. But let me tell you that even though it's not the norm in churches around our country, we have churches, we have a church that is filled with people that for the very first time are coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's good news. Somebody should say amen to that. And so we preached through the gospel of John and what we expected to happen happened. People came to faith in Jesus. And John wrote the book and he says, I write these things that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He writes with that very purpose. And here's what I'm convinced. If every church in the world would simply preach Jesus, they would no longer have an attendance problem. Somebody say amen to that. If we would focus on the person of Jesus who says that if I am high and lifted up, I will draw all people unto myself. And so we endeavor to make this all about, we wrote it on the wall if you need some help. And so we set the precedent for how we preach in preaching the person of Jesus. But we have a canon of scripture, a grouping of books. Maybe you thought the Bible was a book. It's really a library of book. It's 66 books canonized together that we believe tells one continuous story from beginning to end and it finds its plot, its reason, its meaning, its climax, its conclusion in the person of Jesus. And so I've heard this somewhere before, but every time you read the Bible, you get to meet with Jesus. Amen. That's why we say that. That's why we put that at the forefront. And yet, as we look through different books of the Bible, we get different views of who Jesus is and, and ultimately our responsibility to that. And so here's some practical reasons for why we are going through Titus. We just spent a year in the Gospel of John, which is a narrative book. So you have to understand that all of the Bible is written in different genres and liter liter literary styles. And so you can't read each book the same way you read another. So we have the Gospels, and then inside of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we have the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They tell similar stories, similar timelines. They open in similar ways. And ultimately, they write to different groups of people with a similar goal in mind. Luke's a physician. He's a doctor. And he writes to his friend, Theophilus. He says, dear Theophilus, I write these things that you may be confident in what we've told you is true and that you may believe that the stories you've heard. So what does he do? He becomes an investigative reporter writing a book for his friends. How many of you have friends that love you so much so that they would write you a book? You're like, can I get a letter, a note, a card, something? Could you say happy birthday to me from time to time? And yet Luke writes a, an entire gospel, not just one. He writes two volumes and he writes the book of Acts to continue the story of the church. That's the gospel of Luke. Mark is a contemporary of Peter. Peter tells these stories of fishermen, probably not the best with spelling or grammar like yours truly. And Grammarly is fantastic, friends. And, uh, and, and yet, 
he has a friend, Mark, John Mark, who is a contemporary also of Paul, who will read the real world story of Paul becoming frustrated with John Mark and, and, and even saying he's disqualified. Man, he's a coward. He wouldn't go into the trenches with us. Man, Paul is a dogmatic, all or nothing type of guy. We can appreciate men like that. Someone say amen to that. And and yet John Mark, even though he's had these moments of difficulty with the apostle Paul who writes 16 books of the New Testament because of the letters he wrote, uh, Romans, which is like a dissertation in and of itself about the gospel of Jesus. uh, John Mark finds his place with Peter and he's apparently pretty good at writing. And so he takes the sermons of Peter's, the story of Peter, and then he writes the gospel of Mark. And like Peter, a brass tacks, blue collar guy, moving from scene to scene, get to the point already, Pastor Sam. He writes in such a way that the gospel moves me from movement to movement. And in that particular gospel, it says, and then, and suddenly, and then next, and after that, and then, and then. Have you ever listened to those types of stories? Right. And that's the gospel of Mark. Matthew was a tax collector, a Jewish tax collector. He had sold his birthright to the Romans in order to collect taxes from his own people. And he has this radical conversion that he meets the person of Jesus. And Jesus picks him even though no one else would. Aren't you thankful that Jesus picked you when you thought no one else would? Somebody should say amen to that. He picks him and... Even, even to the, 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 uh, the demise of the other disciples. Wait, you're going to pick him? What, 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 do you, Jesus, hold on for a second. Do you know he's a tax collector? You know tax collectors had their own category? It was like you, you, could, be, you could be a sinner and then you were a tax collector. <laughs> like, let's be honest. And we still think like that today, all right? Right, come on. And yet Matthew, the tax collector, writes this book. John, later on in life, after the synoptics are there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, as an older man, looking back on the experiences of his youth, writes a book in a completely different way. And so you can't read it the same. And when the other books are starting with this one begot this one and this one begot that one, and then in in those days, in the time of Caesar Augusta, and then in Mark's gospel, he gets right to the point. John opens with a poem, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And you're like, this is different. And then the, not only was the word with God, but the word was God. And then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He takes this Greek word, this idea, the logos. It's not a Hebrew word. It's not in the Old Testament. It was actually a Greek philosophy word, which was the idea that there is a mind. There is an intelligence. There is something that is responsible for everything. And how he went about created, creating everything was through language, logos, the word. And then you begin to look at the world around us and you say everything is language how we live and move and have our being how we order our our latte at our local starbucks we use logos to learn everything that you do has some sort of logos 
has some sort of communication in which you use that to propel yourself forward. Think about how hard it is to go to another country where you don't speak the language and you feel paralyzed in your ability to carry out normal, everyday type of behavior. See, we're driven by logos. And then you get even into the very cells of the human existence, very into the atoms that make up who you are. I wonder why they called it atoms. Anyways, And yet inside of ourselves is DNA, code in the cell, signature in the cell. Your body is made up of what? Logos, language. Yet this language is the most complex code. DNA is something we're still figuring out. And yet it shows and sings that there is some kind of creator who created everything and he used word, language. How did John, a young Hebrew boy who followed around this rabbi, had never been more than 150 miles from his home, was the the stepson of a carpenter. He didn't have a Twitter and Etsy account and yet he became the most famous person in human history. And this 17-year-old boy would follow him around and he would follow him so much so that it would change his life forever. Ever, and he would write this book that would go viral for thousands of years and he would write the words, in the beginning was the logos, the word, the intelligence. How would this young boy, now old man, who only had the education of a rabbi, from a rabbi, how would he know that language was the reason, the author for everything? It seems as though he had some help, wouldn't you think? Yet he writes these things that you may believe. And you begin to look at the evidence around you. He writes about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He writes things that fulfill prophecy hundreds and even thousands of years before the time of Jesus. He points it out. He connects the dots so that you can have life and belief. And he writes in a narrative form, but in a narrative form, you have to begin to look at the story. How many of you ever have watched a movie with your significant other and you got completely different meanings from that movie? No? (laughs) Watch a show, read a book, write your different characters, there's different meanings. I got this from that, I got this from that, and these people and those people, and I see it this way because the narrative begins to leave things open to interpretation. Are you with me? And all of you have your own interpretation of things, don't you? That's good preaching, Pastor Sam. Thanks for, thanks for letting us know. We all have our own biases, our happenstances, our upbringings. And however you were raised, where you came from, the world around you has impacted you. And the question is, am I just made up of those things? And do I use those things for my good or are those things used against me? And how do those things impact Impact how I see the scriptures that have been left for me now for thousands of years going viral in order to help train us, shape us, awaken us, and push us towards godliness. See, the reason why the Bible is an important 
encyclopedia of books and I don't get to camp out in one. And I would, I would encourage you, don't just in, camp out in the narrative text. And even through those narrative stories, you need someone to help guide you along. What you'll find in small groups over the past few months and even the last year, journeying through the gospel of John is what you'll find is what you read in the text at first glance and then what you hear from the stories and the teaching and then what you begin to get in a home and begin to discuss these things all of a sudden you're like man I thought it meant this but what I learned is what John is trying to show me is this how many of you are thankful when the bible changes your mind you're not you're not at all every one of you just lied no, how many of you like to change your mind about something that you absolutely knew is true? None of us do. We don't, we don't like it. We fight against it. We're rebellious and we're set in our own ways. And sometimes what can happen is if we're not careful, we're here, we'll hear stories and come to our own conclusions, camp out only in the words of red. And we will make those words in red mean things that the words in red spoken by the one who shed his blood on Calvary that he did not mean, he did not mean for you to take and twist. And so yet in his grace, he used others to write books of the Bible in different ways, more direct ways, less ethereal, less, whew, right? Right? Less logos and poetry and in the beginning, less of that. And now friends, you must wrestle with this. Why the book of Titus? Because it's more straightforward and in your face. Why the book of Titus? Because we've been playing around in stories for an entire year and it's time to get to business, friends. Somebody say amen to that. So the question is, will you accept like you did the other book? That was the stories of Jesus. Now will you accept the leadership of Paul? Paul formerly known as Saul, the one who murdered Christians. Stephen's clothes were brought to his feet after he oversaw his stoning. One of the first martyrs in Acts. This guy has a radical conversion. And what we know about individuals in the last two years have really told us that, that people on the extremes double down. They don't change their mind. You know that, right? Right, you know that people on the extremes don't change their, their minds, right? You're there. So stop with the Facebook stuff, okay? All right? You're not, you're not going to change their minds. Someone say amen to that. Because people on the extremes do not change their minds unless acted upon by a powerful, persuasive, beautiful Savior. His name is Jesus. And Paul's on his, on his way to... A, to Damascus. He's going to find more people who claim to be followers of the way, and he is going to have them killed. And there he sees a bright light which changes his life. Out of the light, he realizes it is Jesus himself appearing to the Apostle Paul. It says, at the time, Saul of Tarsus, a Pharisee of Pharisees, Man, a strict teetotaler down the line. It's my way or the highway. You either get it right or pay the price. That was Saul. Jesus encounters him, says, Saul, 
Why do you persecute me? He says, who am I persecuting? It's me, Jesus of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. Here's what it should say is even the worst of us even the worst. Let me, let me tell you, I don't know what your experiences is. I, I don't know if you, you're one of those, like, I can't go to church. The roof will fall in. Where did that come from? I don't know. I, I, man, I, I don't know. I want to get struck down going to church. Listen, friend, you, you have not gone so far as you're on your way to solving in order to kill Christians, okay? It's not you, okay? Let me, let me tell you this story that's in this book. A part of our tradition is there was a man who was far gone. No one's trying to reach him. No one's sharing with him. Even after his conversion, they're afraid. They're like, they think this is a Trojan horse kind of thing. So they're like, no, I don't think we're inviting that guy over, right? Like, I don't, I don't think we're having him over for small groups, okay? Uh, we need to be sure because this guy's crazy, right? Took three and a half years for Paul to convince people that he could be, had, had been converted. Can you imagine if that was the experience of the church? The people would have to convince us, gone so far that three and a half years of relationship it would take before anybody would let him in their small group. Man, that's, that's Saul turned Paul, who would later go by his Greek name, and God would give him this ministry to Gentiles, people that he'd never associated with. Somehow, Paul had made his way to this island in all of his, his journeys. All of a sudden, he gave his life to the advancement of the gospel, and we read in the book of Acts of all his missionary journeys. And yet, somehow, Acts doesn't cover this, but he made it to this big island off the coast of Greece called Crete. And there he shared the gospel with so many people that house churches began to pop up all over this island. And people were meeting together. And he leaves and hears back some of the issues that are going on. And he sends Titus to them. This, this young kind of protege of Paul's, a son in the faith, maybe even someone that that Paul actually helped to convert a young Greek, not a Jewish man. Titus is Greek, and yet somehow he has this relationship with Paul, former Pharisee, Christian uh, persecutor turned gospel preacher. You can imagine what it would be like to have a mentor like that. And yet Titus finds his relationship with Paul and Paul sends him to this Greek island off the coast of Greece called Crete. And he writes this letter. He says, I actually wanted to write this big, expansive book that talks about our shared salvation. But you guys have been in the weeds so long that I wrote this because we need to get down to business. And very quickly, he writes this book. Some people even debate whether Paul wrote it because it's so different than his other works because it's so short and so to the point. And yet, Martin Luther would say that everything in Titus, that it's basically the essential Christian experience and doctrine. The idea that Martin Luther had for the, the, the letter of Titus is that if we read Titus, we would have everything that we need to live a godly Christian life. It's so direct. 
It's so in your face. It so pushes against your upbringing, your background, your biases, your culture in which you live in, and says, do you see Jesus is Lord? And if he is, do that, does that transcend above everything else? See, what happens is we get so wrapped up in our perspective that it's hard to jar us, jar us outside. We are convinced of what we are convinced of, aren't we, friends? I remember it was years ago. I think I was maybe a junior or senior in high school. I know, a long, long time ago, right? And I remember something happened. I had this terrible headache, and, and I, 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 my head was hurting so bad. I don't remember if I'd had some type of football accident, but, man, I, was, I had a pounding headache. And, and, and my mom said, just go sleep it off on the couch. And so I was asleep on the couch and, and I was awakened from my sleep because all of a sudden I just began to see flashing lights and they, they would not stop. And I began to panic. As a 16, 17-year-old kid, I thought, oh no, this is the end. Walk away from the light, okay? <laughs> I've seen this before right? I've seen enough movies. Don't go towards the light. And why is it flashing, right? And, and, and yet, I'm just over and over like, oh no, I start panic. I mean, I'm having a panic attack. I just start crying. Oh God, what is, what is wrong with my head? My mom comes out. It's like one o'clock in the morning. I've slept from just the evening all through the night. Now it's the middle of the night. And I'm like, mom, I'm, I'm seeing flat. My head's hurting so bad. And I'm seeing flashing lights. And she's like, okay, calm down. She's like, stop. And then, and then she goes, oh no, I just saw it. I said, oh no, you see it too. <laughs> No, we're all going to die, right? Like, I, I, just, I didn't know what was happening. I had slept on the couch, and, and, and whatever reason, for the grace of God, so I can tell you this embarrassing story now, I was convinced that this was the end. I was like, I got a brain tumor. I'm going to die. I don't know. I got a concussion, and Will Smith didn't even come out with that movie yet. I didn't know, and, 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 and yet what had happened was in, in the ceiling fan, one of the bulbs had, had, had come slightly out where it was just flickering and just the timing was terrible, right? Like my head was pounding and all of a sudden now there's a flashing light in the room. My mom comes to the rescue and I'm mortified that she can see it too. Like how can you, how is this contagious, right? And here's the idea is sometimes we are so in whatever's happened to us, however we feel, our emotions, our sickness, our deal, that the actual truth that's right in front of our face, well, this is going to be a pretty good analogy, I think. What's right in front of us, we're so distracted. We're so in our thing that the solution is right in front of us, but we cannot see the truth. It actually takes someone outside of you. It, it actually takes someone that's not you.
It takes someone that's not you. Amen. That means you can't do this on your own. Someone say amen. It means that your perspective is limited and that you are limited to your biases. You are limited to your happenstance. You, you are jaded by your experience. And yet, let's be honest, in our culture, in our setting, we're not tempted to follow any type of leadership. We don't want anyone to tell us what to do. We don't, any, we don't, we don't, want, we don't want anyone telling us how to live we don't want to, like, the, the, the Christian thing, that's fine on Sunday, but bro, don't touch Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I, I mean, it's fine to, you know, the Jesus thing. I love hearing Jesus stories. It's great, man. I love Jesus. But when he tells me to stop it, knock it off, quit it, don't do that. Hey, you should really think about this. You're like, I don't know that I believe that. You're like, ah, really? Did he, did he mean that? Like, really? Like, that? You, you mean he's going to get involved with that? You mean I have to stop doing that? You mean I got to change my attitude with that? You, you mean I have to start thinking about what it means for Jesus to actually be in charge of the entirety of the world? That if he conquered death, hell, and the grave, he changes reality, changes human existence, and I can't just leave it on Sunday because I'm created in the image of God every single day of the week, and the Holy Spirit has awakened me to, to the good news that he he is Lord, and I have to decide, will I live as a byproduct of the culture around me, or will I live in such a way for God that I change the culture around me, Amen. that I change the culture of my home, even though I was raised this way, my mom, dad did it this way. Oh, you got quiet on that one, right? Like, yeah, but my, this, is, this is the way we've always, we've always done it, Pastor. This is, the way I've always, this is the way I've always handled my money. This is the way I've always had handled my relationship. This is the way I've always dealt with conflict. Oh, really, is he in charge? See, Titus is going to be this book for us that begins to take us on a journey. It's quick and in your face. He starts kind of this long greeting, this salutation, if you will. He brings in the greeting, and then he gets to work. He says, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order. What's he saying? He tells a pastor. I don't know. I just want to help you out with this. Ephesians says that he's given gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors. You didn't know I was a gift to you, did you? <laughs> You're welcome, right? He puts pastors in our lives, puts leaders, puts pastors in my life. He says, appoint people in every town. Man, that's why we got a Lompoc campus, amen? amen. Man, we're gonna have other campuses in other towns, amen? amen. The board's like, what? <laughs> what was that? I'm just doing what the Bible told me. Do you believe it or not, right? Appoint elders in every town that could be with you, know you, be a part of you, not just getting lost in the shuffle, being with you. And he says, so that you can put some things in order. What's that mean? The chaos that you experience, you could cure it if you begin to live in the order in which God 
has put before you. He's going to talk about the individual's life, leaders, submitting to those leaders, being a part of those leaders. Some of you are called to leadership. Some of you are those elders. Some of you are those men. Some of you are those women who are being called to more for the good of your town. We live for God and culture. In the first few moments of me saying that, people were like, what? No, we live for God alone, right? We live for God and culture. Well, let me explain what I mean by we live for God and culture. It sounds a little like for his glory and the good of the valley, but let me explain it to you. This idea that you're, you're not meant to be isolated. I mean, I think about it, I, like, we're terrible at isolation, aren't we? Like, even, even, even all of us, the parents is like, man, I, I got four demonic children living in my house. Right, the next crowd's going to laugh at that. This is all the grandparents in this one are like. So don't call that baby a demon, right? It's my mom. My mom's online right now. Like, you stop it. They're sweet. It's like, no, they're not. It's like, no. Like, you're just like, get me out of here. I want, I want to be alone. What do we do as parents as soon as we're alone? Like, I wonder what the kids are doing. Like, send me a picture, right? You go get your alone time, and then you're like, ah, man, I wish so-and-so was with me to see this, right? How many of you are like that? I just should take a walk. Oh, my gosh, snapping 100 pictures, just be like, they're, okay, they're going to see this, right? You're, you're not even seeing it, right? So we, we are terrible with isolation. Why? Because you are never meant to be alone. Amen. Then be convinced of that. Be convinced of that. The last two years, we were confused about that. You weren't, children weren't meant to be alone. People weren't meant to be alone. You are not good at isolation. Why? Because you were always meant to be tied to one another. That's why when they say, Rabbi, Rabbi, tell us the greatest command. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Or in other words, we live for God and culture. We live in such a way that others, I'm not, it's not mutually exclusive. I'm not isolated. I cannot love God without loving the people around me. And loving the people around me is not being impacted by the world, but being so infectious with what I have that I'm not afraid of being infected. Somebody reminded me that I said that quote many years ago. And uh, it's far more potent after a pandemic, isn't it? <laughs> like, see, Christians have had this idea of quarantine for a long time. And if I just get away from the world, if I could just, if I could just get, hit the eject button and get the hell out of here, I just pray for, pray for the rapture that I could, I could escape here. Friends, you were always meant to be here. But this place was made for you, but you're aware that things are off and that I don't belong in the way it is. But Paul says this, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He says, in other words, if I stay here, I'm going to live in such a way that I change what's around me. I'm convinced 
Not, not passive, not just buying my time until I get, no, 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 being about the work at all times. You never get to clock out from being a Jesus follower. Man, sometimes I wish I could clock out from being the pastor sometimes, and be honest, right? Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> that Peruvian voice, that was perfect. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> right, like, so, like sometimes, let's be honest. Here's what, here's what Paul writes in Titus. He goes, listen, man, there's a culture around you, but don't be affected by it. I don't know if uh, Joe already went to Oklahoma. Where's he at? <laughs> Terry, you're here. Where's, where'd he go? Is he, uh, he's like, I'm clocked out. Uh, you want to play? How about you play? That'd be great. So this guy. Joe's finally called my bluff. I would... He's like, if you make me do that, I'll quit. <laughs> Finally did it. So, uh, I mean, here's the reality is like, we, we don't, we are meant to be ambassadors of Christ. We are meant to have an individual culture, a kingdom culture. We are meant to put things in order. Why? For the sake of truth, which leads to godliness. He says, I write this. For the sake of God's elect, you are God's chosen people. He picked you, friend. When you thought no one else was picking you, he picked you. And he's calling you into more. This book is going to challenge you. It's going to challenge your homes. It's going to challenge you as the individual. It's going to challenge you the way you think about the culture around you. Over the next few weeks, I, my, my prayer is that I would pastor you in such a way that we would put some things in order so that the chaos of our homes would stop. The chaos of our hearts would be settled. And just maybe the world around us, when they're experiencing chaos, would look to us and go, how did you guys, how, how did you guys get that? You say, let me tell you a story. We're living in such a way that the culture that we live inside and out from our families to our communities are so attractive that people can't help say, I want to be a part of that. But it starts, we... We're, we're constrained. It is the love of God that constrains us. I was thankful for that constraint this past week. Had a couple meetings up in Pismo. I was meeting with a gal who's actually watching on the online campus right now. She's the director of a hospital. She watches every single week, attends on the online campus. I met with her at 7.30. I met with another guy who, who's a business owner and I was consulting with him and he's a worship leader at a church and we were just dreaming about what God might do on the central coast. And, and then once that meeting was over, I was like, I'm gonna go back to the pier and check the surf because I just happen to be having meetings up here, right? I'm gonna go have a board meeting now. 
So, so I pull into the pier. I'd been there earlier and I pull into this spot, the end spot, just looking out of the pier and my big sprinter van. And I pull up, there's this, this small little Toyota handyman truck. And, and I pull up into kind of the, the striped zone and I back into the spot because he's, he's parked terribly. <laughs> and I realize he's sitting in the truck and I, I get out of the truck and, or I get out of the van and I don't know if you guys remember, there was this time where I flew across the country to buy the sprint, Sprinter van uh, and because I didn't pay California prices for it. Uh, so if you're like, man, Sam's a baller. I'm not. <laughs> and I drove this from Florida and the second day in nowhere, Louisiana, a guy hit my door in this same kind of scenario. I'm still upset about it. And, uh, and so I'm very cautious about who might be next to my van. And so I, I get out and I'm looking at this guy like, do you look like Johnny Dyer? And, uh, that may or may not be that guy's name. And, uh, and I look because I want to see if he can get out. And he's looking at me because I just blocked him in. He gets out of the car and I go, Hey man, are you going to be able to get out? And he's like, no, you, you need to pull forward. I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> I, lo I looked at him like, I ain't Pastor Sam today, bro. Right, I've been doing jujitsu with Jake, bust the move, baby. Right? People have been mistaking me for Coach Jason a few times this week. But yeah, he looked, he looked me dead in the eye. I was like, no, you need to pull forward. And I was like, um, you, you're, you're parked improperly. He's like, doesn't matter. I was like, do we have a problem? He's like, yeah, we got a problem. I was like, here we go. I knew this was going to happen. Everyone in the church knew this was eventually going to happen. This is that moment, right? And, and I, man, I like, I'm like getting ready. Like I was like, all right, cool. You, you, you want to roll? Right. And, and I, I look, I go, I go, you're the one improperly parked. I ask you, my voice is changing, right? And I, I go, I asked you if you could get out and then you got a problem with me. And all of a sudden he looks at me, he's like, man, I'm just having a bad day. And I was like, why are you having a bad day? <laughs> my, my voice didn't even change. It's like I couldn't turn it off. I like, ah. said, so, man, I'm just having a bad day. So like, why are you having a bad day? It's like, man, everything's just falling apart. I lost my mom a year ago today. Man, I didn't want to be like Jesus right now. Just really hoping to fight you. Like what? Like I go, ah, I reach out. I go, what's your name? I go, I'm Sam. So I'm Cody. I go, can I pray for you? He's like, yeah. 
So we walked to the back of his little Toyota truck. I grabbed his hand and I put my arm around his back. He goes, man, I lost my mom to drugs a year ago and I didn't get to say bye to her. She was strung out for months and I never got to say bye. And now everything today is just falling apart. And I go, man, I'm a pastor. And for whatever reason, this moment, as frustrating as it is, maybe it would happen for this. I said, God, I pray for my friend, Cody. Forgive me, Lord, for my arrogance. Forgive me, Lord, for my attitude and not representing you correctly. I thank you for this moment right here, right now that I would meet Cody. I pray for peace. I pray for his life. I pray for his business. Help me to do better, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thanks, I give him a hug. I go, man, uh, you got a card or something? He's like, yeah, man, I got a card. I go, man, I'm gonna call you. I'm gonna check in on you. I'm sorry that happened. I go, I'm going to pull forward. (laughs) And he goes, I'm going to back out. (laughs) Man, I'm with you. Listen, I'm no guru, friend. I get it wrong all the time. But I want to be a guide for you. There are people who love you and care for you. And this series is gonna be tough because it's gonna say, you can't do that anymore and call Jesus Lord. He says, there's false teachers who say they love Jesus and then they don't live righteous before him. They say, this is okay and that's okay. And listen, friend, over the next few weeks, the next couple months, we're gonna teach sound doctrine which accords with godliness. We're gonna call out false teaching. I wanna help you navigate. Hey friend, I love you. But Jesus doesn't say this the way maybe this other pastor might or this person. And here's what the scriptures say. Appoint leaders who won't put up with falsehoods, who won't put up with false doctrines and false gospels, but love people enough to tell the truth. And I say this story, what a story to have this week to tell you, listen, friend, and don't hear me up here saying, I got it right and you got it wrong. I'm saying, let's get it right together as we follow Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for Cody wherever he's at right now with his handyman business, touch his life. Help his dad. I thank you that he has a good relationship with his dad. Help them, prosper them. Help him to forgive me, the arrogant pastor who tried to fight him at the pier at Pismo. Help me every single day to do better because Titus says that people who are elders and pastors shouldn't be quick-tempered. And so, Father, forgive me for my quick temper. Help us as a congregation across this church to be the ambassadors of Christ, the aroma of Christ for this valley, this region, this coast.
Help us every single day to live as if we truly love and know the Savior of the world. His name is Jesus. We live for God and the culture of this valley. We live in such a way that we bring glory to you and good to this valley. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Will you give Jesus one more hand clap of praise?